Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me. I am so glad that you are listening in today. At Valley View Friends Church, we are learning how to live as God's people, concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. On Monday morning, February 2008, every sports page in the world heralded the New York Giants' astonishing Super Bowl upset over the undefeated New England Patriots. And the big, and the big story within the story? The Giants' head coach, Tom Coughlin, pulled off the shocker with, nice. Entering the season with his boss grumbling, he's our coach this year, we'll see what happens after that, Coughlin decided that he needed a leadership makeover. Jackie Mullen, McMullen of the Boston Globe reported an incident that took place on media day, 72 hours before the big game. A boy no more than eight or nine years old was handed a microphone and he made a beeline toward the Giants coach, Tim Coughlin, who spotted the junior inquisitor and he leaned over with an almost grandfatherly fashion and tenderly attended to the boy's question. The boy asked, I heard you've been a lot nicer this year. Who put you up to that, said the coach, to gales of laughter. After going 8-8 eight and eight in the 2007 season, Tom Coughlin met with his veteran players. They told him he yelled too much, he communicated too little, and he listened barely at all. And the veteran player, uh, Michael Strahan, calls the change a transformation. Sometimes they barely recognize him. Tom Coughlin spent three years trying to change his players, and it didn't work. So he decided to change himself, and that's what changed his players. Now they're all supporting, now they're all sporting Super Bowl rings. Nice. Nice can accomplish big things, but biblical kindness can do even more. We're in the middle of a short series about biblical kindness. Kindness seems to be in short supply in our world. It seems people still do not know how to get along with one another. Last week, I mentioned that kindness has become confused in our culture. Often words like polite and nice are seen as synonymous to kind, but they're not. The reality is we can do cruel things in the name of politeness. People have politely looked down their noses at one another. People judge one another when they do not believe, when they do not behave properly. And in the name of not making a scene, we remain silent instead of speaking needed and life-giving truth. To clarify from last week, being kind doesn't mean walking around with a happy face or being excited. You don't have to be fake. Artificial happiness is dangerous. I'd never ask you to do that. Here's another story. After surveying an incredibly diverse cross-section of college students across America, Donna Fritas found that the most pressing social media issue students face is the importance of appearing happy. Not just happy, students told her, but blissfully enraptured, even inspiring. Almost 75% of students surveyed agreed that, I try to always appear positive, happy, when anything, with anything that's attached to my real name. Fridas calls this vexing dilemma the happiness effect. For example, there was a student, Brianna, had lost her father, she toured a death camp in Europe, and yet, due to social expectations, has almost no other option than to smile in her social media posts and include a happy face emoji. In grief, teens put on a brave face. 
in disappointment, adolescents act inspired. In crisis, the next generation appears blissful. Freitas summarizes the dangers of such dissonance. In our attempts to appear happy, to distract ourselves from our deeper, sometimes darker thoughts, we experience the opposite effect. In trying to always appear happy, we rob ourselves of joy. And so as you and I explore kindness, by no means am I asking you to be inauthentic, to put on a fake happy face so that other people think you're being nice to them. God never calls any of us to do anything other than to be authentic, to be who he has made us to be. Now, last week I did talk about the shape of biblical kindness, and I think that's important just to summarize real quickly. And that is to say, when I say biblical kindness, I mean Christ-shaped kindness. And biblical kindness, as we looked at it last week, contains four ingredients. Biblical kindness treats people with real value. Secondly, biblical kindness is personal and present. Thirdly, biblical kindness is sacrificial. It has a cost. And fourthly, biblical kindness is restorative and redemptive. This week, I want us to face the idea of wearing kindness as our clothing. Like last week, I want to direct your attention, at least at first, to a single verse of Scripture, and then we'll expand out into a fuller passage. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I'll give you a minute to get there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I just remind you that the Apostle Paul, he's addressing the church in the city of Colossae. It's a small city in Asia Minor. It's also known that Asia Minor, if you're trying to figure out what that is, it's also modern-day Turkey. And it's located along a river, this little city of Colossae, about 100 miles east of Ephesus. The city was once important and thriving, but now it's small. And it's struggling and no longer enjoying the significance it once held. I don't know how much outward appearance affected the people of the city. If they're any more obsessed than any other people, perhaps, but perhaps, they desired to show some of their former glory and power. So I just want to read this verse to you now. Hopefully you've gotten your way there to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It's a quick verse, but it reads like this. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul tells the Christians living in Colossae that they should put off the old and take up the new. And this is a command for you and for me as well. Actually, if you put back up a few verses, we can get a bigger picture of Paul telling the Colossian Christians to rid themselves of their old way. Let's read the fuller portion of the text. Listen, I would encourage you to listen for clothing language. And when I mean clothing language, there's words like rid of, put off, put on, and clothe. So let's look again at Colossians chapter 3, but now let's back up to verse 8 and read a fuller text. But now... You must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the, in the image of its creator. Here there is no here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Therefore, that's the verse we read already, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So verse 12, which we've already read a couple of times, tells us to clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 14 tells us to put on love. Verse 9 tells us to take off our old self. Verse 10 tells us to put on our new self. And verse 8, perhaps maybe the hardest verse to see clothing language there, contains a word that we need to dig into just a little bit. What the NIV translation uh, renders as get rid of, rid yourself, also means to strip away, to pull off, or to put off. It's clothing language. Take off these things. The King James Version renders that verse 8 like this. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Paul is using clothing language. Pull off, put on. The Christian is supposed to take off the old self and put on the new. Well, we know that Christ is the one who does this, but there comes a point where the Christian has to go along with it and let Jesus truly do the work of removing the old self. There's all kinds of Bible verses that talk about what Christians are to wear. No, not telling us to wear suits at church or to avoid garments because they're not decent, but to get spiritually dressed. There's all kinds of scriptures that talk about our spiritual clothing. I want to read some of those passages for you today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 reads like this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You hear that clothing language, pull off, put on? We're also told in the Scripture to wear spiritual armor. It shows up several places, actually. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 reads like this, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. We're to wear these things, faith and love and hope. Now, I'll not read to you the whole text of the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, just the beginning that tells you, tells you and I that we should be concerned about our spiritual clothing. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 read like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Perhaps most significantly, the Bible tells us that we are to wear to put on, to be clothed in Jesus. The first text I want to read you reminds us that we're to wear armor, but also tells us that the armor is Jesus. Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14 reads like this. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28 are classic passages about what we are to be wearing as Christians. It reads like this, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We are to put on Christ as Christians, and that is how people are to see us, as Christ, Christ-like, shaped by him. As I read the repeated references across Paul's letters of taking off the old and putting on the new, I get the sense this was important for Christians everywhere. It wasn't just for the Colossians, it was for all of us. Your spiritual clothing is important. And part of that clothing is kindness. And that's something our world needs. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. Just that verse 12 again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now the verse begins with three titles that every Christian possesses. And we need to hear these and embrace these and know that these are ours First, we're told that we are chosen people. Secondly, we are told that we are holy. And thirdly, we are told that we are dearly loved. Those three titles had previously been exclusive to the Jewish people, to the Israelites. But Colossians 3.12 tells us that whoever we might think we are, in Christ we gain new and and a precious identity. So if you're a Christian, that is who you are. Jesus has purchased these titles as an identity for you. You may not feel very wanted, but God has chosen you. You may not feel all that good and holy, but God has made you holy. You may not feel very cared for. In fact, you probably have someone in your life that has failed to love you correctly, but now you are dearly beloved by God. On the inside, we're made new. These titles are showing us who we are. This is who we are on the inside. Our heart's renewed, our mind is transformed, our soul is restored to God. We are chosen people, holy and beloved. Now God is asking that our outside would match our inside. And so we're to put on spiritual clothing. I just want to go over a few points about what this spiritual clothing does, what it's like, what's required of us. And the first one is this. You have to put off the old to put on the new. You've got to get rid of the old. You cannot put on new, clean clothes without taking off the old, ragged, dirty spiritual clothes that you were wearing. (sighs) I hope you know by this point in life that you shouldn't put on clean clothes over dirty ones. It's gross. The clean clothes do not make the dirty ones less dirty. The clean clothes do not rub off on the dirty clothes and make them cleaner. The dirty clothes stain the clean ones and make them smell. I can think of a couple times in college. Um, we all try to be clean, but sometimes I'd get behind on the laundry and I'd open my drawer to get a nice clean pair of socks and there wouldn't be any clean socks. And so they'd look at the laundry basket and I'd go, all right, all right, which pair is the least dirty? And I always felt horrible all day as I wore those socks thinking, okay, it's time to do laundry. They never made me feel clean. I always felt dirty because of them. So if you want to put on the spiritual clothing of Christ, you got to take off the old. Got to get rid of it. Dispose of it. You know, and I think 
that struggle with taking off the old when you get ready to put on the new, that's kind of how we get hypocrites. You know, a person who says one thing but does something else. I think there's a person out there, or people out there, who they wear their old, stinky, dirty spiritual clothes, and they're also trying to wrap up in the clean clothing of Christ. They think they've hidden their dirt. They think they've made it go away, but they haven't. And everyone can see and smell what's really going on. Stop doing that. Paul lists for us the old stuff that we need to strip off and throw away. In Colossians, he says, Get rid of anger, of rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That's not a comprehensive list. And there certainly are more to the old things that need to be taken off. There's more things we could add to that list. They're all through the Bible. But how often do we see those old rags lifted up as virtues today? I think this is especially true in our culture today when we react to what we think is injustice. For some reason, we think it's appropriate an appropriate response to injustice to get angry, to rage at it, to throw foul. I mean, how many times have people thrown foul language at something they think is wrong? <sighs> we do it to show that we're bothered by the wrong, but we're making ourselves awful when we do it. I suspect there's a lot of old people in old, dirty clothes raging away at other people's dirty clothes. This should not be. We've got to get rid of those things. Paul then lists clothing we are to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Five things, yeah. And there's more for sure. But these five particular they're what are listed in Colossians, and you can find them in Galatians when you read the fruit of the Spirit. And that should tell us something about how we go about taking off the old and putting on the new. And that's the second point I want you to think about today. Putting on kindness and all that stuff makes up the new, that makes up the new stealth. I just tripped over all my words there. Putting on kindness... And all that stuff that makes up the new self is a process that requires growth, and it's growth from the Holy Spirit. John Ortberg writes about Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, saying this, We're to put off that which is so, uh, sordid and unworthy, uh, the way you put off old rags and clothe yourself in what is worth wearing. Ortberg continues, getting dressed spiritually is much like learning how to get dressed as we grow up. At first, we're unable to do so, and so someone must dress us for us. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian, getting us dressed in the things that are good and holy. Then as we grow, we get better at dressing ourselves. All five of these qualities that we're to put on, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, are part of the fruit of the Spirit, and this tells us that we need to let the Spirit... Do this work in us. The Spirit dresses us. Are you willing to let the Spirit dress you and clothe you? I know that sounds funny, but uh, He's got to do that transformational work in us. And then, then, as we mature in Christ, we'll know more and more of what it means to wear kindness and compassion and gentleness, etc., of course, when we learn and we grow and we are able to do more on our own, that means the Holy Spirit's going to move on and do something else in our lives that needs taken care of and cause us to grow there. It's a process. It takes time. Third thing I'd mentioned is putting on kindness requires other people. 
And it's not just kindness, but it's all those qualities. But kindness requires relationship to work. You need some sort of connection for kindness to be able to have power. Whether it's a friend, a family member, even a stranger, or yourself. Kindness functions in relationship. Think about all five of those qualities again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Perhaps you have to, ex- you have to exercise patience when you're alone, but patience is needed for things outside of us as well. All these things require others to do them. And think about all those qualities that Paul says, get rid of. They're relational too. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. They're relational. Our spiritual clothing has a huge impact on our relationships with others. Fourthly, I'd like to say that these five virtues of spiritual clothing, because we're not just talking about kindness today, we're talking about spiritual clothing, and kindness is one of them. These five virtues of spiritual clothing are all qualities of God. Kindness is not just good, it's godly. And the same could be said of compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here are a few Bible verses where God is described with each of these five qualities. When it comes to that word compassion and mercy, uh, they're often the same word in the Bible. And 2 Corinthians 1.13 tells us this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of comfort. And it's the same word in Greek where we read compassion, we also see as mercy in Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's the same word, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pop- proper worship. The word kindness. In Ephesians 2, verses 6 and 7, we read this about God. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Humbleness, you can find that in Philippians chapter 2, the great passage on the uh, humility, the lowering, the humility of Christ and the raising of Christ. It's Philippians 2, 8 is what I'll read. Um, and it reads like this. And being found in an appearance as a man... Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Gentleness. You know, Aristotle described gentleness as the middle ground between too much and too little anger. I don't know that anger is bad, although we often use it in an unhealthy way. Uh, But gentleness is that middle ground. It's not just meekness. It's a balance. And God's described as gentle. In 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 1, we read these verses, verses. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. Patience. Romans 2, verse 4 says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So those qualities, those clothing that we're to wear, that uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, 
They're godly. So anyone who wants you to be good has set the bar too low. The Bible asks you and me to be godly. Fifth, and lastly, we are to wear kindness and all these virtues as the uniform of the Christian. Think for a moment of uniforms. A firefighter's uniform, a nurse's uniform, a police officer, a military person. All of them have uniforms. And the Christian has a uniform as well. Simply put, we are to wear Christ, to be Christ-like. But for our purposes today, we need to have, we have a list of virtues and one that is immensely needed in our times is kindness. And a uniform identifies who we are. You know a police, police officer by the uniform, and trust me, you all act differently around an officer in uniform than out of uniform. I've seen it. And a uniform grants authority. Uniforms often also have function and purpose. We can see this in a firefighter's uniform. The gear that they wear is protective and function. So you know what I see in that? A uniform means we have work to do. And this is especially true of the Christian. The Christian is to share the gospel and to be ready for spiritual warfare and to bless others. And so we put on compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience. You better believe kindness helps in spreading the work of the Christian. Andrew McLaren says this, Kindness makes a person attractive. And if you would win the world, melt it. Do not hammer it. Kindness will melt the world. In the case of our Christian, in the case of the Christian, our clothing, our uniform shows what is real. The world is obsessed with skin deep appearances instead of what is really going on inside of us. There's a story, every time I see it, it just makes me laugh about camels using performance enhancing drugs. Can you, you didn't think that was coming, did you? But I said it, and now I'm going to read you the story. Performance-enhancing drugs are a major problem in the sporting world. Cycling, baseball, weightlifting, football. Athletes at the very highest levels need something to put them over the top to keep them in the game. Usually, Botox doesn't make the list of performance-enhancing drugs, but that was the precise drug that prompted 12 disqualifications at an event in Saudi Arabia. A dozen camels were disqualified from a camel beauty contest. Yes, I can't even not even believe we have these. A camel beauty contest in January 2018. Their crime? Doping in the form of Botox injections. The purpose? So that they would appear to be more beautiful in the eyes of the judges. Of course, the camels didn't eject themselves. A veterinarian, obviously hired by the camel's owners, performed the plastic surgery. The doctor was caught just days before the beauty contest. In fact, the attempt to enhance Camel's physical beauty wasn't limited to injections. I imagine those are going in the humps. I don't know. Uh, But since, uh, since smaller and more delicate ears are also a standard for Camel beauty, surgery was performed on their ears. You're unlikely to ever come across a Camel beauty pageant in America, but we know what it's like to commodify beauty, to parade people across the stage and judge the value of their physical appearance. Our culture is full of people putting on the uniform of life. And that uniform from our culture says it's all about what people see. And they try putting on the best face, a good show to appear good to others, 
to appear perhaps that they have found happiness. Even Christians can choose to put on that uniform, and it's not the one we're to wear. And that's my question for you today. What spiritual clothing are you wearing? Are you wearing the uniform of Christ? Or do you still have some old, dirty spiritual clothes on? When you woke up this morning, what spiritual clothes did you put on? Did you even think about the spiritual clothing that you put on this morning? Did you put on anger, fear, judgment? Did you put on anxiety, rejection? Each day, make every effort to put on Christ. You'll be better for it, and those around you will be better for it. Parents, your children will be better for it. Put on kindness. Will you do this? Will you wear Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our society is struggling right now, especially when it comes to things like compassion, kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience, all the things you ask us to put on and to wear. Too often we want to put on judgment instead. Help each one of us to put off our old dirty ways and to put on Jesus. Lord, Lord, I want the world to see Jesus whenever they look at me. Help me to do this. Help me to put on Christ and on kindness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.